I'm going to, uh, I, I, I've titled this Pentecost, The Promise of the Holy Spirit. And um, if you have your Bibles, go to Acts uh, chapter 1, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this, uh, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. And I'm going to hurry here um, so I can get through this. If, you're, if you have your Bible, that's great. If you don't, it'll be on the screen. And it, it says it like this. And this is Jesus speaking here to his disciples before he is ascending to heaven after he's resurrected from the dead. Forty days he has been uh, appearing and, and, and bouncing rounds and many have seen him. And this is right before he ascends into heaven. And he says this for John verse five says this for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse six says so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord. Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They were worried about worldly things. They weren't worried about spiritual things here. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Amen. Verse 8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And now jumping, if you jump to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, I'm going to go ahead and read that too. It says this. Look at this. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled, everyone say filled, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. Now let me say this, okay, right off the get-go. Uh, Pentecost, listen, Pentecost is not to be confused with Pentecostal, okay? It is not to be confused with Pentecostal. Some of you may have come from a different denominational background, and when you hear the word Pentecostal, some of you get a little bit scared and you start wiggling in your seats, all right? I don't want you to be scared. I want to bring some clarity today to the Word of God. See, here's the thing. Oftentimes, if we don't understand something in Scripture, our, what we like to do is just stay away from it. But in the truth of it is, is once we get into it, we begin to learn of it, we can learn some things. Amen? And so, well, here is what Pentecost is. The word Pentecost, are you ready for this? Uh, you need to buckle up because this is scary stuff. The word Pentecost means in the Greek. Are you ready? It's, I mean, some of you denominational people, you need to be ready for this. It means 50. Five zero, five zero is what it means. Pentecost means 50. And what it is derived from, it is it was uh, it was the feast of Pentecost or the feast of weeks or the feast of the harvest. And how many know that the Jewish people like their feast? I like the Jewish people because they like their feast. They like to come together and eat and celebrate. How many people like to eat in the house today? All right. So and and so the the feast of Pentecost or the feast of weeks was was this after Passover after the Passover. There was seven Sabbaths or seven weeks. Seven times seven is what? All right, 49. And one day after Passover is what? Plus 49 plus one equals? Oh, man, you guys all did good in school. Uh, all right. And, and 
so after Passover, after that feast came this feast of the week. So what do they represent? The Passover was when Israel was brought out of Egypt, out of bondage. How do you remember the story of, of the Passover lamb where God told them to, to put the blood of the lamb above their doorpost. And, then, and so when the death angel came by, it knew not to mess with that family. And so every firstborn son in that area that did not have blood on the doorpost was, had would die. And so what happened when that happened, uh, Pharaoh lost his son, and he, he said, you guys are free to go. And he let them go, and, you know, he chased them all the way to the Red Sea, and then they, they were swallowed up. That's just like the way that God works. And so when they celebrate Passover, they celebrate it so that they would remember what God has done. How many know it's important to remember what God has done in your life? And so moving on, 50 days after that, the, the celebration of Pentecost uh, was this celebration that, that 50 days after Passover where Moses would go up to Mount Sinai and receive uh, the, the commandments from the Lord. There he would sit at Mount Sinai and he would say, Lord, show me your glory. How many remember that story? And the Lord would be there with him on the mountain. And while he's up there seeking God on the mountain, he comes down, and there's all kinds of chaos among the Israelites there. But they, they remember the day that God saved them and brought them out of Egypt. Fifty days later, they remembered that God had given them the law. If you're with me, say, I'm with you, Pastor. All right. If you're not and you just said it, then you just lied to me. All right. So, uh, so Pentecost is celebrated, celebrated by the Jews who would all come to Jerusalem and, and they would come from all over and do so. And this is where we see Acts chapter 2 where there's 120 would be in the upper room experience the glory of God like never before. So Acts chapter 2, listen to me, Acts chapter 2 is the model for us as a church. The book of Acts, when we look in the book of Acts, we, we look at what they did. That is the early church. That is the first church. They didn't have programs. They didn't have methodologies. They didn't have conferences. All they did was rely on the Spirit of God to lead and guide them, okay? And, and so we, we need to understand that. So uh, we, uh, here's the thing. Today we, we see a church that is anemic or is not operating in the Holy Spirit's power. And this is what we do. We make excuses for it, uh, you know. And, and honestly, some, some of you have come from different backgrounds, and you've went to some Pentecostal churches, and sometimes those Pentecostal churches have given a bad rap of what the Holy Spirit is about. And so hopefully today, I want to clarify some things for you, and, and there's been some people, uh, been some time where people have made indulgences over the Spirit of God where they were wrong, but you know, sometimes people make indulgences over the Word of God, sometimes they have it wrong too, Amen. But here's the thing. This is what we need to know. If we do it the way that God designed it, you'll see people freed from drugs. You'll see people freed from pornography. You'll see people freed from things. And God will shake this world. I can't help but think that the church is anemic in evangelism because we lack the power of the Holy Spirit working within us and in our lives. Amen? All right. Yeah, I'm glad you guys are with me. I I like this. I saw this quote by Dr. Jerry Vines, and he is a he is the pastor uh, uh, or former uh, former president of the Southern Baptist 
conviction. All right. How many know? How many may have came from a Southern Baptist background? All right. All right. And so, but this is what he had to say about the churches in America. The average Christian and the average church are somewhere bogged down between Calvary and Pentecost. They have been to Calvary for pardon, but they have not been to Pentecost for power. That's a powerful word. And we say it like this. At Christmas, we say God with us. At Easter, we say God for us. Can you know what Pentecost is? God in us. Amen. God in us. And Pentecost is not a denomination, but it is an experience that every blood-bought child of God should receive. And here's the deal. We are privileged. We are privileged to live in a generation when God is again pouring out his spirit in a mighty way. And, and here's the thing. God is looking for someone to pour his spirit out on. And I say this, Lord, let it be me. Let it be me. The rain of the Holy Spirit is falling on, on, on dry, on, on religious ground of our day. It, it gives sweet, refreshing, refreshing uh, uh, rain to the weary-hearted uh, Christians. And, and also, it begins to prepare precious fruit of the harvest of God, okay? So today is the church's birthday. Everyone say, happy birthday, church. Today is the day that we celebrate the birth of the church. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And we ought to celebrate and take a moment to reflect and examine our lives and, and our church as a whole. And let me ask you this question. I'm going to ask you a very pointed question here. Do you operate like the church of Acts? That's your personal question. I can't answer that for you. Do you operate like the early church? So here, I got three points. I'm going to fly through these as fast as I can here. Here's, here's one I want to talk about. The, the first thing I want to talk about on Pentecost is the promise of Pentecost. Where does Pentecost come from? And, and, and what is the promise of Pentecost? And, and this is simply it, that the Lord will pour out his spirit on all flesh, men and women. Look at this. In John uh, chapter 14, verse 18, Jesus said this. He told his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. Can I tell you this? God has not left you uh, with an orphan spirit, but God said, uh, he said in, ver in verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father and he will send you a comforter, a paraclete, somebody who will stand with you, who will give you advice, an advisor or an instructor. How many need an advisor or an instructor in your life? In this walk with God, how many need the Holy Spirit to help you every day to take step by step? Holy Spirit, I need your help. Lord, help me to shut my mouth right now because it's going to get me in trouble. Anybody know what I'm talking about? John 16, 13, it says Jesus would say this. And this is what he said about the Holy Spirit. He will guide you in what? All truth. So that's what the Holy Spirit is about. It's about comforting, it's about advising, and it's about leading you in truth. In Luke chapter 24, verse 19, Jesus said, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are, until you are clothed with power from on high. So look at this. There's the promise of Jesus. Ten days after Jesus ascended to heaven, they met in an upper room. Can I, can I just tell you something? It is the same room where Jesus had the last supper with them. Same room, 
different atmosphere. Today, Micah, you said, Lord, we, we create an atmosphere for you to come and to be in this place today. Same room, di different atmosphere, right? And, and so here they are. They are meeting in an upper room, and they are doing what the Lord told them to do. They are praying, and they are waiting on the promise of God. How many are good at waiting? Yeah, I didn't think I'd see too many hands on that one. I learned while I was in California that I do not miss California traffic. I did. Uh, even though everyone drives 95 to 100 miles an hour, when it stops, it stops. And all it is is wait, 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 get in a hurry, switch lanes, and wait. And sometimes in our lives we feel that way. Lord, I I've been waiting on you to answer this prayer. God, I've been waiting on you to do this thing in my life. God, I have been waiting on you. And here's what I've learned. Some of us want to quit in the waiting season. And some of us want to give up. It's interesting to me because when Jesus ascended to heaven, do you know how many were present when Jesus ascended to heaven? 500. You know how many were in the upper room? Ten days later, 120. When God doesn't do something fast enough for us in our little microwave world, we want to speed and just say, hey, you know what? It's not happened. It's not going to work. But I can tell you this. If God says he is going to do something, he will do it. Amen? If Jesus makes a promise, he will fulfill it. If God said it about you, you need to stand on that promise and say, God, no matter what's happening, God, I believe you're going to come through for me. Matter of fact, it had been prophesied by the prophet Joel that, that God would pour out his spirit 800 years earlier. Joel would say that. He said that, that, that God would pour out his spirit. So it had been a long, long time waiting. And some of you are, think that God didn't answer my prayer this week, so I'm going to give up. 800 years. That's a long, long time to wait as a people. But I can't help but wonder. Uh, what it would happen to our families and to our churches if we walked in the same stamina that these 120 did, trusting, seeking God, just waiting there in the upper room saying, hey, God, I am going to wait here until you do what you said you were going to do. See, Peter, his sermon declared this. He said, this is it or this is that. This is the fulfillment of promise. How many get excited when God answers your prayer, when God uh, fulfills a promise that he has given you? Amen? And there, see, here's the thing. Many people, I mean, there's a movement in uh, uh, groups that are trying to explain away the promise from the Lord. They say this, the baptism uh, or the immersion of the Holy Spirit. When I say the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. But there's a difference between the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, 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 and the first that I talked about. This is, this is all, uh, and here's the thing. This was only, and many people say this, this was only for the disciples. But let's take a closer look at what Peter says in his sermon to those people that day. Matter of fact, turn to your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, verse 30, 38 or 39. I'm sorry, uh, 39 if you have it. 39. And it says this. Look at this. This is Peter talking to the group of people that day. He says this, talking about this. Everyone say, for the promise is for and your and for who are uh, 
are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. See, this was written about 70 to 90 A.D. Now, do you know when the day of Pentecost actually happened? It happened around 30 A.D. And, and so 40 years later, this writer, whoever it is, some say Luke, some say Paul. I don't care who it is. They wrote it in, in Scripture. Uh, I think they had some great writing here. They wrote this knowing that it was important. Matter of fact, Paul in, in uh, Acts chapter 19, he tells the Ephesians this. He says he's talking to believers there in Ephesians. He, he says this. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And matter of fact, do you know what their response was? We don't know what you're talking about, the Holy Spirit. And he began to explain that to him. So here's the key. The key is this. Peter's words, for all who are far off, this is talking about people in different time frames and future generations. How many are great are grateful that God would look ahead and say, hey, I've got the gift of the Holy Spirit for you. And say, hey, I want that operating fully in my life today. Amen? It's for you. It's for us. And I say, Lord, I need it and I want it. If God says it, it'll happen. It'll come to pass. See, there are some people in my life whom I can trust. My brother who was here last week, I can trust my brother. Matter of fact, when he got done here, he hopped in the car, drove all the way up to Indianapolis to pick me up at the airport. You know why? Because I can trust him. Now, I've got some other people in my family that bear my last name that I would not trust to pick me up at the airport because I know that they would forget and leave me stranded. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right. But here's what I know about Jesus. If Jesus says it, I don't have to doubt. I don't have to worry about it. But he will come through. Everyone say the promise of the Holy Spirit is for all people, all generations who receive and are called to repentance. All right. I love that. So here's the second point right here, the purpose of Pentecost. Everyone say the purpose of Pentecost. Here it, here it is. It can be summed up in one word. Are you ready? Harvest. 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 Everyone say harvest. Uh, harvest is the heart of Pentecost. So look at this. So Joel chapter 2, the, the prophet in the Old Testament if you're looking for Joel, you need to go back in the Old Testament. Say, well, I don't know where that's at. It's in there in the Minor Prophets. Just keep going. Just keep going. You'll find it. Joel chapter 2, verse 23 and 25, it says this. I want, you, I want to show you something. It says this. Be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the latter rain. Everyone say the latter rain. As before. The threshing floor shall be full of grain. The vats shall overflow with wine and oil. Verse 25. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, the cutter, uh, my great army, which I sent among you. So what in the world does this bit of scripture have to do with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost? So two things I want to point out here. Number one is this. There's two things that are necessary for the harvest out of this little bit of scripture. There are, there's something called the early rain. Everyone say the early rain. And the early rain prepared the soil for the seeds to be planted. It softened 
the soil. So the former rain, the early rain, and, and then there were seed time. The, 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 it's perfect. How many know that when it's dry, you can't just go out and throw grass seed everywhere because the birds are just going to come and get it because it's not going to take. So you have to wet that ground down. You have to till it up, and then you got to throw your, gra your grass seed on there. you got to cover it up with straw. you got to protect it at all costs, and then your yard comes back beautiful and green, right? And here's the thing, and the, the early rain, which prepared the soil, the early rain came. But look at this, the latter rain, which would feed the crops or mature the crops to harvest. There's the early rain where the seed is planted. There's the latter rain. So look at this. I'm going to show you something. Joel chapter 3. This is a paraphrase, and I don't think this is going to be on the screen, but it says this. In Joel chapter 3, verse 9, the first part of that verse says, proclaim this among the nations. Uh, go down to verse 12. It says this. The first part of that verse says, let the nations stir themselves up. Uh, verse 13, going a little bit further. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. How many know that the harvest is ripe right now? Joel 13, 14 says this. I want you to look at this. I love this verse. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Today we live in a time where there are multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of people who need to make a decision to know Christ. And listen, there needs to be a stirring in the body of Christ to love on people. And we say, hey, Holy Spirit, shake us, rattle us, God, so we, that we may go out and get the harvest that you've called for us. Amen? All right. So this is the time to reap the harvest. The reign of the Holy Spirit is preparing the harvest. And Jesus said it like this to his disciples. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And that is an indictment to you and to me. Where are the laborers? Look at this. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And the church was born. And Peter, who had been trained by Jesus, he walked with Jesus, and he'd been led by Jesus with the boldness of the Holy Spirit, began to preach. And he quoted the prophet Joel, and he cast his net out that day, and 3,000 people came to know Christ in that very moment. The purpose of his power is, is boldness of the Spirit of God. It's to be witnesses, proclaiming truth in God's grace. Uh, the latter rain has fallen. It's only a matter of time to raise up the Holy Ghost power and spread the gospel and to work the field. See, here's the thing. We're not given tomorrow. And everyone in this building is not given tomorrow. Can I tell you something? My job and your job, my job and your job, it's not my job to go out and get the harvest. It's your job. You know what the church is? It's an equipping station for you to go out and get the harvest. It's a place for you to get sharpened so you can go out. Because, listen, I can't go to your job. I can't go speak to the people that you talk to on your lunch break. I can't do that. I'll do my best to witness to everybody I run into. When I see someone in Rural King and the Holy Spirit tells me to talk to them, I will talk to them. I will love on them. I will tell them about Jesus until I'm red in the face. But, listen, listen, you've got a job, and we have to grab that. See, dare not forget that the, the need for lost people. And oftentimes we get stuck in our rut. It's me and us and me and only and God, me and me and me and me and me and the I generation, right? It's all about me. When in truth we should be acting like the Lord and say, 
I love that person enough to tell them about Jesus. I love them enough to, to let them know that they need Jesus because somebody loved you enough to tell you about Jesus one day. See, the people, see, Christ, he loved everybody. And Christ commanded us to evangelize, to tell people about, about, about him. Souls are hanging in the balance. And we got to go out in power and might and spirit. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. Here's number three right here. The power of Pentecost. Here's, here's where I'm going to get at. I, and listen, I could go a hundred different directions here. I could talk about tongues. I, there's all kinds of things that I could do here. I'm not going to do that because this is the purpose of Pentecost. This is the purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this. But you will receive You'll receive what? When the Sp Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my. So there's power and then you'll be in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, unfortunately, we live in a time where some churches and even Christians have lost the power. Some of us lean into our own understanding, our own intellect, our own abilities. I could do this, or we could do this, or we, we've got this. And listen, there's things, but Paul said it like this to Timothy. You remember his protege, Timothy, he said this, speaking of ungodly in the last day, those ha uh, uh, having a form or the appearance of godliness and denying its power. Now, it's quiet in here, and I, I, I know, I know, but listen, I, I'm not here to chastise you. I'm not, I'm not doing that, but this is what the Lord is just, just was stirring in me. God is stirring us. God is stirring us. God is positioning us for the harvest. And listen, if we're going to have this harvest, we're going to have to do it in his power and not our own. We can have every program. We can do all kinds of wonderful things. But listen, without the power of the Holy Spirit, it, we can do nothing. It's dead. It's dead. This is my cry today to you is this. As the church, have we been a little bit complacent? Have we been a little bit stagnant? Hmm. Can you pull that, uh, Tamara, can you pull up uh, that verse? I'll, I'll look it up. I think I, I can find it faster here. I want to read this to you. Look at this. 
2 Timothy chapter 3. I just read this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this whole portion for you. I didn't put it in my notes here, as you can tell. But understand this, that in the last days, there, there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self. Do we have that? Lovers of money, do we have that? Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Look at this, verse 5. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. The next part of that verse says this. Avoid such people. Paul's admonishment there to Timothy is this. Even to people who have godly appearance, but they're denying the power of God, he's saying, don't be a part of those people. Be separate. Be, be different. I can't help but think of this. It reminds me of Samson, who was called of God, and he worked in the power of the Holy Spirit. But here's what Samson's problem was. He kept getting closer and closer to the enemy. He kept putting himself in a position, in position that he shouldn't have been. And he finds himself laying in the lap of Delilah. His parents told him not to marry Delilah. And, and, but he finds himself in, in, in the lap of Delilah. And she says, show me your power. Tell me what your power is. You know, you can trust me. And, you know, you know the story. He finally tells her. And then he finds himself in a moment when they come in. And he has lost the power that he once had. And I can't help but think that the Lord is looking at his church and saying, hey, Where's my church that will stand up in power and in might? In the power of the Holy Spirit again. With boldness that will go out and proclaim the message of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. We'll love people in truth. Truth and love. We'll tell them the truth, but I'm going to tell you in love. Hey, this is what God says about you. This is what God knows about you. See, religious tradition, it robs people and churches of the power of God and leaves them in weakness and defeat. But here's some good news. How many want to hear some good news? God is restoring the power of the spirit of his church. He is. Here's the thing. Some of you need the Holy Spirit to, to fill you or to refill you even. I, 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 know, I know that just happens. Here's some things. Here's some ways that God can refill you. Um, you know, some of you are worshipers. Some of you worship the Lord. God has called you to, to worship him. Matter of fact, John 4, 24, it says that we are to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Did you catch that? In what? And in truth. But here's the thing. We get complacent. We stare into the screen. We sing the same songs. And we don't get excited about the goodness of God. This is not an indictment on, on the way that you're worshiping. But here's what happens. Some of us have become spectators instead of participators in worship. And we've got to change the atmosphere. We've got to participate. God, I'm going to lift my hands in this place. God, I'm going to give you real worship. God, my heart is yours. God, I don't care who's looking at me. God, I'm going to worship you. See, real worship demands participation. 
the Holy Spirit will help you in worship. So here's the next one right here. Repentance, repentance, repentance. Not a popular word in the church today, repentance. Some of us are not filled with the Spirit of God because we have not repented. The first words that Peter said in Acts 2.38 was repent. You know what repent means? 180. I'm going this way. No, not anymore, Lord. I'm going this way. Repent. Some of us are walking into sin, and God's saying, not that you're sin, but we're walking into sin. <laughs> Sorry, it just happened to be there. We're walking into, we're walking into sin. And God's saying, repent. Turn away from that. Resist that. Flee. Flee. See, when you're operating the baptism and the gift of the Holy Spirit, we will walk and we will live a life that will honor the Lord. It's what happens. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, everything we do, the Holy Spirit begins to talk to us and say, hey, you ought not say that right now. And I go, ooh. Holy Spirit checks me. Hey, you ought to let that person out at the graduation because they're cutting you off. You ought to let them out. Oh, Lord, you're trying me right now, Lord. Some of us, all we really need to do is simply repent. Here's the, here's the last one, witness with power. The purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Listen, here's the misnomer. Some of us have put such an emphasis on the gifts of the Spirit that we neglected that the purpose of the Holy Spirit is power to be a witness. We've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. But the truth is, Acts 1.8 says, you will be my witnesses. You'll begin to tell people that, like yourself, they need a Savior. They need Jesus. Let me ask you something. I'm going to ask another pointed question. I'm sorry, I'm full of pointed questions. When was the last time you told someone about Jesus? God, forgive me. God, forgive me. I'm sorry. We're better than that, Lord. We're better than that. Because Peter, that moment, the reason he stood up with boldness of the Holy Spirit and told that crowd is he began to tell them that they needed to be repent. And because he did that, the church was born. All the disciples would go, every one of them that were there in that upper room, they would go and they would spread the gospel in the land. And all of them would die for the sake of Christ, except John. They just couldn't kill John. He just got to die of old age, good old John. Tried to boil and wouldn't boil, whatever. Hey, I don't know. It's think, I think that's pretty awesome. Well, we don't know what to do with him, so we're just going to put him out on an island. We'll just let him live out there. How many remember that Paul had this moment on the Damascus Road where Jesus met him there, and he was changed, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he began to be one of the greatest missionaries, began to go to places that nobody wanted to go, began to tell people that didn't want to hear about Jesus, took beatings, did a lot of things, because his message of Jesus Christ, spreading that gospel was more important to him, and God gave him power to be a witness. How many want to be a power? powerhouse for the Lord and be a witness for the Lord. So let me ask you this question. Have you received 
your Pentecost or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.38 says the promise is for you. You need only ask the Lord to fill you. It's a gift. It's a gift. God wants to give it to you. I know, I know this is different. This is a little bit different teaching today. But I felt compelled uh, uh, by the Lord to, to speak this today. Because I believe that God is positioning us. God is challenging us. And God is changing us from the status quo to doing more and more for him. The harvest, the field is white. I say, God, send me. Send me. Please stand with me all across this building. Can I tell you something? Jesus is God's special gift for the world. It's for, it's for the sinner. For God so loved the world, right? He gave his only son. But listen to me. Listen to me. Here's the next step to that. The Holy Spirit is God's special gift for the Christian. Jesus said in Luke eleven thirteen, how much more shall your heavenly Father give, give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? All you got to do is ask. Bow your heads with me all across this building. If you're here today and you say, hey, I, I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my heart today and there's some things I need to repent from there's some things I need to let go some things I need to leave at the altar today some things that I need to 180 I need to turn away from I need to walk away from can I tell you that God loves you that his grace is sufficient today that he'll cover you the scripture says love covers a multitude of sin his love will cover that multitude of sin. It'll, it'll cover those things. If you're here and you say, hey, I need to repent in my heart. I need to ask God for forgiveness. Would you just lift your hand? Anybody in the building? Thank you. Anybody? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands going up everywhere today. Anybody in the balcony? Anybody in the balcony today? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else today? Uh, God, I thank you for your presence today. You're here today, you raised your hand. Hmm. Let me just tarry in just a moment. Speak, Holy Spirit. Speak, Holy Spirit. God, we position our hearts. God, for a fresh filling of your presence today. God, that we may be your witnesses. God, like the early church, telling everyone about your presence. This is what I want to do. I, I'm going to do something different. If you're here, say hi. I want the Lord to fill me. I want the Lord to help me. I'm going to ask anybody on our prayer team to come down. Come down front. Come down front right now. Come down front. Come down front. You know who you are. Thank you for doing so. Thank you for doing so. Listen, 
you, you're not going to come down here alone. People are going to stand with you. You don't have to tell them everything about you, but we just want to pray with you today. And I, I, I'm going to give you an invitation to the front today. I want to give you an invitation today. If you raise your hand, come on, come on, come on, come on. Don't be afraid. You know what? Pride says stay in your seat. Pride says stay in your seat. Listen, you need to step out. You need to step out today. Come on, you're not the only one. You're not the only one. I promise. I promise. I promise. God, I, I need to repent. God, I need you to restore. God, I need you to make things right. God, I need you to fill me up again. God, I need to know your love again. God, I need to understand your purpose for me again. Listen, stretch your hands this way, church. Come on, begin to pray for those that have, have responded to the Holy Spirit today. Matter of fact, position your hands. Throw them out in a receiving position and say, God, God, fill me. God, fill me again. Fill me once again, Lord. Fill me, Lord.